Hello, hello, and welcome to the Vibrarian Radio Show. My name is Miss J, and I am here tonight to have a conversation with you. I am joined by my guest host this evening, Lucy and Paula. Hello, ladies. Hey. Hello. How are you doing? Excellent, excellent, Paula. Lucy, I hear you there. How are you? I'm fine. Thank you for having us back. Excellent, excellent. I'm so glad you could join me. We are here online having our weekly conversation on the Vibrarian Radio Show. Now, my goal is to bring you information that is going to elevate you and to uplift your energy. So we last week had a really great conversation about the chakras, but it went so well that we were only able to cover half the chakras. So we brought everyone back again tonight to finish up the upper chakras, circle back around and cover anything we might have missed and take your questions and calls. Our show line, if you want to call in, is 646-668-8988. You can give it a call at any time. And if you want to speak to us or have something you'd like to bring up, please just press 1 and I'll bring you on the line uh, so that you can be live with us. We also have on our page on Blog Talk Radio a chat interface. So if you have any questions, feel free to post them there and we'll try to make sure that we answer them through the show. And I think that's all the housekeeping manner of situation at this point. So just to give you a little backup, my guest this evening is Lucy Lee, who's a Reiki master and energy healer from the Atlanta area. And uh, Lucy is an amazing teacher. I learned Reiki from her after having had several healing sessions. And I'm also joined by Paula Gore, the singing shaman. I love the sound of that, Paula. <laughs> She's Thank also you. a master healer, a psychic, intuitive, and uh, certified massage therapist and master healer. So everyone has brought to the table a little bit of information about the chakra system. And last week we covered our root chakra, the sacral chakra, and the solar plexus. So as a way of recapping, our root chakra is associated with the color red. Our uh, sacral chakra is associated with the color orange. And then our Solar plexus chakra, of course, is the color of happy, happy yellow and the sunshine. And we've come to understand that the chakra refers to a system of energetic vortexes that go along our spinal grid. Of course, there are more than seven chakras, but the primary ones that we're discussing at this point uh, are the first seven, which are considered the core chakras. So... If you were to sum up the lower chakras or distill what we covered last week, uh, Paula, how would, how would you summarize the lower chakra portion of our energetic? System? Okay, so um, the root chakra is um, associated with uh, survival mechanisms, um, fight or flight, uh, and also um, our, our daily to-do list of things that we need to get done, uh, our career and money. Um, the second chakra um, is related to relationships. Um, 
uh, specifically sexual relationships, but also inclusive is basically the relationship that we have with the world. Um, And the third chakra is our relationship with ourself. Um, And this is our identity chakra uh, and our power center or lack of. And that's the first three chakras. Okay. Lucy, do you have anything to supplement that summary? No, Paula summed it up very well. Um, (laughs) uh, Your three lower chakras are what sort of keep you grounded in life. And then the four that we're going to discuss tonight are more of our spiritual and emotional chakras. Okay. So um, last week we talked a little bit about the development of the chakra system. And, Lucy, you had asked about what age the chakras open up because that kind of speaks to then the development. And, of course, being a librarian, I did a little research during the week, and I found out that the chakras cycles tend to happen in a seven-year cycle, which I love that, seven chakras, seven years. So, uh, you know, your first seven years, ages one through seven, is then where you're having the opening of the root chakra, and uh, we discussed what the uh, introduction of fear, how that can uh maybe damage the root chakra and change then your ability to feel grounded, safe, and, all, and we discussed the chain of things that happen all the way up as the energy is able to or not able to rise up through our development of our system. Um, I don't want to spend a whole lot of time necessarily on the, the, the lower chakras because we did really cover that well last week. I would urge you to check out our uh, Log Talk radio channel because we've got our previous episodes of the show available for you to listen. And I've also got a YouTube channel. Uh, You can just look for The Vibrary. That's V as in victory, I-B-E as in energy, R-A-R-I-A-N. Or, excuse me, The Vibrary, V-I-B-E-R-A-R-Y. Sorry. (laughs) I'm The Vibrarian, but my YouTube channel is The Vibrary. So uh, you can go back and take a listen to that and catch up to where we are with the lower chakras. And uh, we'll move on forward then to start with our feel get our heart chakra and move from there. Agreed? All right. Okay. Okay. So we've moved our energy. We've cleared our fear issues. We've come into comfort with the issues around our sacral chakra, and we've realized that we can. We're very empowered and and enlarged with our solar plexus, and we're all sunshiny and and confident. And now we begin to move that into the more, I guess they would call it, finer development, the, the less of the... I don't want to say animalistic, but I don't know what other words... Uh, would be used to describe the the lower chakras. Um, are they more like uh, instinctive? They deal with the instinctive area of, primal. of our mm. life. Primal. They are That's the, the word, they you. are the primal <laughs> nature of us. <laughs> thank you. I couldn't couldn't come to the mm. word. So primal, and so 
Now we're moving into the higher aspects that have to do more with feelings, sensing that of not the physical world, but the emotional and spiritual. Is that correct? And more altruistic aspects um, that seem to be more related toward community when we move into the upper chakras. Okay. So our our heart chakra is the, the, the next on the list. So we're in the heart chakra color, which is green, which I love that. I love seeing uh, uh, pictures that show heart chakra energy that have this beautiful, emerald, rich, like vibrant, like the colors of the leaves and the grass and of emerald jewels. I love seeing that now that I know that that's the heart energy. And it really does give me a personal kind of lovey-dovey feeling when I'm around green. So let, let's talk about the heart chakra. Uh, I don't care which of you want to jump in next. Um, the heart chakra is located between the breasts, and this is our center for unconditional love. Okay. Lucy, do you want to jump in and say anything? Uh, the heart chakra is one of the ones that I really personally like to work with. I try to work from the heart. And it's easy to, when your heart chakra is open, to give love and to receive love from other people. Um, it makes you more compassionate towards not just people, but your surroundings and your community and the society as a whole. The thing that gets me with the heart chakra that to me seems to be a a bit of a stumbling block for us is the unconditional part, (laughs) okay? (laughs) Because we kind of learn through our early years of life, and sometimes this is not necessarily a good lesson that we should have learned, we learn to base our love on something, uh, a qualifier. This person did the right thing, so they are lovable. Or this child behaved well, so they are more lovable. Rather than the unconditional part, which is basically because you exist, you are worthy of my love as a human being to another human being. And we learn to not do that. And a lot of our early discovery of relationships with people outside of ourselves. And I think that's where we're so easily kind of knocked out of our heart space because of that, uh, you didn't make me happy, so now I don't feel the same about you. Or you're not pleasing, you're not living in the way I want you to do, and and so therefore I cannot love you. And um, I think we see in our society a lot of instances where we're not really able to operate out of unconditional love, and that causes a lot of separation unnecessarily between people. I agree. Unconditional love. Yeah, unconditional love is, is something that's really hard to achieve. Yeah. Uh, and like you said, we as a, you grow older and... Your life lessons teach you to become more protective of your heart chakra. Then it sort of shuts down, and it's hard to have unconditional love. Mm-hmm. 
Have you said um, when you're doing Reiki, Reiki on people uh, mm-hmm. and you're encountering their heart energy, are you able to feel then whether they might be stingy in their love or have be starving for love? Does that come across in the energy as you work to heal them? Yes, you, you definitely can feel it if there's a blockage or if it's sluggish. Uh, I have not encountered a lot of people who have had a completely closed heart chakra, uh, simply because I think people that come to me are pretty open to things. But, uh, yes, you can definitely feel it. And you you can feel it sometimes by just passing a stranger on the street if they have unconditional love and their heart chakra is open. Oh, yes. I try to walk around the street. Uh, people tell me all the time, they're like, you're just always smiling. But that's mm-hmm. because I kind of, I carry a happy countenance because I'm out there encountering the world and I feel good encountering the world. So I keep a pleasing and happy energy about myself. You know, we already talked about, you know, keeping a, a energetic kind of purposeful field about yourself and being aware of yourself as you're out in the world. So I'm always thinking that I'm encountering friends. I'm not out there thinking I'm encountering people who will harm me. So I think I probably tend to exude or I wouldn't have a problem if my heart chakra energy is out there ahead of me, kind of like my advanced alert team as I walk by you on the sidewalk and you get a little happy dose of, hey, human, I love you. You I don't have a problem with that. Paul, I think you were wanting to say something a few moments ago. Um, I just wanted to touch base uh, back on what you were saying earlier. Um, You know, we're talking about the heart chakra being in our unconditional love center, which is underneath what has been conditioned throughout our life uh, in terms of uh, societal norms and how we are to behave and uh, all of that. And... um, one of the things that that I want to say about the heart is I call the heart it, it's like a it's like our our wild untamed animal to me. Mm. The heart is the wild untamed animal inside. So um when we think about uh uh it's trying to get out of the box in other words. There's if we compare our hearts to our to our minds it is looking for love and it may be looking for love in places um that may, that may be matching up our old conditioning and then that's where we encounter love and we encounter heartbreak and heartache is because of that uh the old conditioning that is sort of layered over that unconditional love center. Um, And then through those heartbreaks, we learn, some people learn to break open and surrender and find, you know, that sort of that wild, untamed heart that they're able to sort of connect with their higher self and begin to bring that into alignment and live happy lives. And some people continue 
with that wild, untamed heart, and they're in some addictive pattern and continue to draw um, sort of codependent-type relationships. Um, And then there are some that just shut down and feel victimized and not really able um, to overcome those, those heartaches that we all encounter in our lives. Um, and also, and also, let me just say one more thing. There may be past life issues that may be a bleed through and may be contributing to that heartache. And, um, those issues may replay themselves until, um, the person is willing to, um, either get some help or begin to, to do some self examination and begin to um, observe uh, their heart and their feelings and then begin to sort of learn not how to act sometimes on on situations and feelings and just learn to observe. Um, I think the heart chakra is the most difficult chakra of all to master um, because when we're talking about human relationships, uh, we're talking about things outside of our control. And uh, this is where our work is as human beings, is really, to me, how to understand our hearts. Okay. Let me back up just a little, just for clarity's sake for myself and also hopefully for our listeners. Uh, you talk about conditioning, like breaking free. Okay, so I'm... I'm Susie Example, and I'm, let's say I'm Susie Example, and I'm in my 20s, and I am out now encountering relationships with seriousness, looking for uh, whatever relationship is to come to me. So what does, okay, how, what does conditioning look like in terms of what would have happened, what, kind, what are you speaking of when you talk about conditioning, and then what is the effect of the conditioning, and how does Susie who respond either positively or negative because of her condition. Let's let's give a personal like example. Okay, let's say uh let's say uh this young woman's mother um sort of shamed her uh what did you say her name was Susie or some someone like let's that. Just Susie. Say Susie. Yeah. Susie. Mm-hmm. Um and the mother is saying um I told you not to do that. How many times have I said that? I mean, just sort of very uh, very shaming and, and blaming and controlling attitude towards her daughter, that kind of uh, attitude, and not really, not really approaching her daughter with uh, respect. And then the daughter goes out to the world, and then she meets some young man, and, you know, they seem to hit it off, and then... In the relationship, a couple of months later, he starts, he doesn't like something that she does, and he just starts talking to her in the same tone and language uh, that her mother does. And then she's finding herself in a situation where uh, she's just, she's feeling victimized. And uh, she may not know, she may feel overwhelmed, and she may feel love for this man, and feel like she doesn't know how to um how to cope or deal. She just may feel sort of uh shamed and then feel like it's her fault and then not really able to address 
the issues that he's bringing up. Or she may decide at some point that she's just getting angry. Maybe she begins to lash out. Maybe she's she begins to recognize, you know, that she doesn't she wants um to break out of this pattern. She wants some autonomy or she wants a a feeling that she's, you know, free of this. And so maybe she just gets angry and lashes out. So I think that, you know, it, in terms of these patterns, those are some of the dynamics that that arise that have to do with um, basically beginning to understand, you know, that place of victimization and then um, wanting to get out of that and then so going into the, the, the extreme opposite and blaming the person who's blaming you, which only exacerbates the problem. And so basically, go ahead. Another scenario to that is, as far as conditioning, we're all born into this world with unconditional love. And when you are subjected to any kind of abuse from your parents or whoever is looking after you and raising you, as you get older, then you seek that same kind of behavior or you experience that same kind of behavior from another adult, you connect that with being loved. Yes. Mm. Because you were raised in it by someone you felt that loved you and they treated you this way. And that, uh-huh. that's the way, yeah, and that way, you, that's the way that you end up being, the conditioning part uh, suppresses the unconditional part of it. And yes. we talked last week about how we inherit, even through coming through the birth canal of the our mothers, like whatever energetic blockages or issues might have happened that as, through the birthing process that we actually take on that and that our then purposes to evolve out of uh, whatever history be it in present life, and we talked about past life lineage and history as well. So we're kind of born with this baggage or into an unclear reality, a reality that's cluttered with things. And our goal is to then find our ways and evolve our way, grow up ourselves, and to move through those things. And I know a lot of people get issues because they're like, everybody always wants to bring the mama. Why is everything mama's fault? <laughs> you know, they kind of had played it up in TV and stuff where it was like, oh, they got daddy issues, you've got mommy issues, and we say that. And it's not about blaming the parents because most of the time people are doing the best they can with what they know how to do. But if love to you as a man in the 1950s did not look like hugging your child, because men didn't do that, you know, or if um, being empowered to be a working woman didn't look like what a woman should do to a previous generation, then you might have inherited some of that modeling or ideas about you as a person from your family unit or society saying that you're being inappropriate or you're, that's not ladylike because you're not wearing a dress. You know, it, so we're all inheriting stuff and moving out of it, and I don't think a lot of people mean to harm their children. We're just all learning as we're growing. I mean, there are, of course, there are 
abusive parents and, and manipulated people who use their children as um, tools to fill their own needs and deal with their own issues rather than to nurture and love the children to be their own independent loving self. But um, it's kind of like a fine line between we're not really blaming the parents, but we are acknowledging an inherited uh, energy, if you will. Well, your parents are the same way as you are. They were just a generation before that was affected by whatever was put onto them by their elders. And the society. Society changes over the years and is, luckily has become a lot more accepting. So ideally, Susie would say, you know what, I recognize this environment. It's very familiar to me. This pattern of behavior, because my boyfriend is shaming me, feels like something I am now recognizing was not good for me growing up. And ideally, so then yes. Susie, ideally, that's where Paula talks about breaking the heart wide open back to a place where it is out of the gate again and not fearful of being let out the gate. So let's say Susie Beta has some good good Reiki. She had some good therapy. She broke up with the boyfriend, and she met the right man and begins to model a new unconditional behavior that then she hopefully transfers to any children that she has, and therefore we've all improved going forward on into the future. And, and loving herself as well. Now, when I Reiki people's hearts, and it's open and it's balanced. I always balance it with their third eye, so that way they don't think with just their emotions. They also use their brain, and ideally, they balance each other out, so where you're still able to love and receive love without putting yourself in a vulnerable place. vulnerable place, it would be where you are maybe doing things in order to be loved by someone that are compromising yourself in a way that's not healthy for you because you're you're you don't know what positive unconditional looks love looks like. So right. or giving or giving all of your love and not receiving anything back in return too. Right, which would be an indicator. Like we're supposed to learn what the indicators of imbalance are. We're supposed to learn for ourselves what it feels like. Maybe a lot of us haven't known what it felt like to have unconditional love. And that's why you say Susie ideally at 20 knows this. A lot of times at 20 a person hasn't figured that out. Some people have. Some people it takes longer. That's true. (laughs) Right. So the heart chakra then, when you're encountering people healing, would you say that predominantly people are not necessarily dealing with heart chakra issues or that is really a lot of self-love is starting with loving self first in the external world? I mean, in terms of chakra imbalances, where does the heart imbalance and blockage rate on the scale of where there are problems? 
Um, I, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> I find I find that they're the, like I said, the people I, that come to me are pretty open to um, this kind of work, this kind of energy balance, and anyway. So their heart chakra is usually not that imbalanced. It may rate below half as far as as balance goes. Uh, the people that do come to me that have a heart chakra problem are usually people that have been hurt early in their life and have suppressed it and are just afraid to let their heart open to unconditional love again. Um. Oh, they're being stingy. Is everybody on? We're getting a little bit ecstatic here. Yeah. Um, I uh, I find that with my clients over the, I would say that most of the clients I have worked with, that the heart chakra has um, unresolved issues, uh, whether it be from childhood, current life, or past life, uh, in terms of um, uh, reading them and just recognizing that they're still, they may be holding on to issues. Um, And so the heart chakra, I find with most people, feels unresolved, heavy, um, some energetic baggage that... uh, needs attention that that they may not be um ready to deal with actually or um they may be overwhelmed um uh don't have the tools uh to basically um do enough self reflection and in enough uh well that's basically it self reflection or working with someone on a regular basis, therapist or uh, healer, to be able to come to terms with those issues. Um, And once I find that the heart chakra is, uh, that I'm able to do whatever layers of work that I find um, are there, then I find that... uh, the issues that are going on in the rest of the body tend to actually uh, get much better. In other words, I find that the heart chakra is actually the main source of issues in other parts of the body, which I find Mm. fascinating. Yeah, that's almost exactly the opposite of what what I found. Most of my Deep core issues in my clients have been in their solar plexus or their sacral chakra. Uh-huh. And I find but, that I most mean, of them in the heart. Different ways of in- <laughs> yeah. Different ways of interpreting, yeah, in the different people, yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, it is probably our... I would say the, the clientele that is drawn to you, maybe energetically they are coming because they they have an imbalance in the solar, and Lucy, maybe they're presented to you for that reason, just like they might be presented to Paula uh, because she's, uh, like, experiences heart chakra. And maybe they'll make their way around to Lucy if they already visited uh, Paula and then vice versa as you start to work on <laughs> your development. 
you know, because absolutely, a lot of us, we don't just go to one place for healing. We don't just go to a therapist, and then we're like, oh, we're done. We talk to our, our uh, you know, our social worker. I've been in therapy for the last five years. Maybe we do need to get a Reiki specialist and then a psychic healer and then a nutritional counselor, you know, to do the full spectrum coverage for our healing rather than compartmentalizing and thinking there's a one-stop shop to fix everything that's wrong with us. Yes. It takes a village. Absolutely. (laughs) A village of healers. This is the Vibrarian Radio Show, and you are speaking with Miss Jay, Paula, and Lucy this evening. Our phone number is 646-668-8988. Feel free to give us a call if you have anything to add to the conversation. Please press 1. And I do have several callers listening this evening. Thank you for joining us. I know that uh, the ladies that speak natural hair design, hair salon, and East Point Atlanta are listening again this evening. Hello to Stacey and Mia. I've got Monica uh, listening and Prada is listening as well, in addition to the people who are streaming on our Blog Talk Radio interface. Thank you all for joining this evening for this conversation. I'm just so excited because I could talk about things that are helpful to me personally all day. So this is perfect, and I thank you ladies again for joining us. So we're talking about the heart chakra and the unconditional loving state that we are aiming for if our heart chakra is open and flowing. Uh, I think that, you know how they always say, put your oxygen mask on first in case of an emergency? I think that we have um, a fundamental uh, misunderstanding of what self-love and self-care look like. But to me, the most fundamental thing to understand is unconditional love for yourself. Um, You know, everything has to happen at an internal level before we can go out into the external. So for our Susie example, she has to have ideally come to a place of, like, loving and accepting herself and not necessarily taking on the stories or conditioning that she learned growing up and she may have said, uh, you know, uh, I I don't receive that shame anymore. And that was more about what my environment learned than it was about me. And I'm now no longer going to, I'm going to recognize that energy, but I'm not going to take it in because I've come to a place of loving myself and I, I'm not going to allow that enter my energetic field anymore. So Susie sits in in her little happy love bubble, And as she then approaches the world after that, her thermometer or temperature kind of thing is to say, am I able to still love myself unconditionally if I do this, if I engage in that? You know, and that can be as simple as, am I still going to love myself if I go to this job that I hate and do something that I don't necessarily morally agree with? Is it going to make me uh, feel conflicted in myself? Am I going to in some way lose respect for myself and lose my ability to uh, appreciate all that I am? Just like any relationship, be it a work relationship, a romantic relationship, a parent-child relationship, you know, Susie would have to say the same thing, like, 
I need to make sure that when I have children that I show them unconditional love. A, they need to see me operating from a place of unconditional love because I'm their first role model. And then I need to offer to them a space of being unconditionally loved because now I know what it looks like to not have been raised feeling unconditionally loved. Let me switch that around so that my children will not have to move themselves through the same thing. I, you know, I guess yeah, re- that's the, my theory. Recognition, <laughs> yeah. Reco- recognition of what triggers the negative and then intention of not allowing that in and changing it into a positive. Mm-hmm. And uh, what is what is that self love or loving state of being look like to to you, Polly? If you even subscribe to that theory. <laughs> um. Let's see. Uh, what comes to mind is. Okay, uh, like self-talk, um, how I uh, how I do self-talk um, to me that's important. Um, praising myself um, and taking the time to do that, um, doing things that create uh, a positive. Um, Outlook on life, um, my attitude about life, uh, staying positive helps me to feel uh, self-love. Also, uh, if there are negative people um, in my life, then I have gone through the process of letting go of those uh, people who uh, tend to get into the shame, blame, control game, as I call it. Um, I let those people go because I love myself more than I love these people. Um, and that's been a big step in, in my personal life. Um, so, again, going back to self-respect uh, is showing me um, uh, those signs or showing me about my myself how I love myself, how I take care of myself. And always saying yes to other people and allowing yourself to be, like, depleted is not actually um, self-love, you know. And I think that some people come out of a, a, a maybe even a religious background that says, oh, we sacrificed ourselves for others, you know. And, again, there's that... No, you're supposed to take care of self first. But I've seen people driven to the point of utter exhaustion, and then they feel starved because they're saying, well, there is no one there for me, but look what I am doing for everyone else to show them that I love them. I'm showing up at this. I'm helping them with that. I'm giving them this. I'm giving them that to the point where there is zero depleted and have a starving heart. And a lot of times it's just a matter of recognizing that I don't need to be a martyr and this is actually not the way that I'm supposed to show love, unconditional love, because I lost sight of that initial self uh, place of am I exhausted? 
exhausted myself. I, I'm so tired when the weekend comes that I can't hardly get out of bed, or once every six weeks I get sick, you know, because I gave, gave, gave to the point of where I couldn't give anything else to everybody, you know. Uh, that goes back to what you said about putting your oxygen mask on first. Right. If you don't take care <laughs> and love yourself, then it's hard to give to other people. Right. And I know that I have on the line, I have uh, Prana, and Prana is a new, uh, he's wonderful. Prana, I've brought you on the line to talk with you about self-love from a place of caring for your physical body. And I know that you uh, are very much into nutrition as a component of our energy system, that you cannot divorce from it the fuel that you give the body at a basic level. And so it's very important then to practice self-love in all the areas, not just emotionally, but even our physical body. And I may love chocolate cake. I do love chocolate cake. What am I saying? I may love chocolate I love chocolate cake, Okay. Like a, they say, I love you like a fat kid love cake. Well, I, <laughs> I love chocolate cake. But it is not self-loving for me to sit down and eat a whole chocolate cake. And matter of fact, I'm probably trying to fulfill some kind of loving gap if I do feel compelled to sit down and eat a whole chocolate cake. I mean, what, uh, Prana, are you on with me? Uh, hello, can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you, Prana. Welcome. <laughs> Welcome. Well, hey, hey, hey. Hey. <laughs> uh, yes, I'm on. Um, thank you for having me. Um, and hello to everybody listening. Hi. Yeah. All right. so, uh, hello. <laughs> all right, all right. Yeah, to uh, to jump in on what you were saying, uh, it's 100% true. Um, as I explained before to someone, uh, we spoke about that. Um, everything's energy, everything's emotion, um, even in reference to the heart. And to go back to what you were saying, like you just used the example of love and chocolate cake. And with that being said, you're probably trying to satisfy or uh, please in, in an emotion on the inside. Uh, we as human beings, when it comes to the physical, we tend to take our emotions and attach them to things that's sweet because we all desire the sweeter things in life. Um, like you just said, you know, the chocolate, the cake or whatnot, um, look at the terms of of endurement that we use. Hey, how you doing, sweetie? That's my little sugar. That's my little sugar. Yeah, hey, sugar, exactly, <laughs> things of that nature. Uh, <laughs> so, uh it goes on and goes on. How you doing, honey? Uh, and, and we can go on with the list. And we don't realize subconsciously we identify with that because those are sweet things and we want the sweeter things in life. So you may get on the fix when you're depressed and all you do is eat sweets. All you do is eat sweets. And that's the reason why, because emotionally that energy is pulling in toward that, towards that. For the simple fact, the universe this place that we live in as human beings, our emotions, our energy spiritually and physically attaches to what it identifies with and not subconsciously knowing that 
we tend to eat sweets. So let's go back to what you all were discussing earlier when you discussed, um, uh, I know one person said something about the heart and the other person said something was the solar plex. Uh, and those those are two areas when I when I do my healing work that I always find that that's where the problem lies there as well. For me, I find both of them at the same time, being as one is connected. Now, when it comes to the heart, the interesting thing about the heart when I'm doing my work, uh, tapping into the the higher heart, just like um, the higher chakra in the in the uh, the pineal gland, the head. You find that the energy connected to that it runs straight through because it's like a channeling from the emotions of the solar plex in the heart. So what I'm trying to say is, for example, have a human being laying on the bed, they're brain dead. They're no longer thinking, but their body still working. Their organs are still functioning. Now take the heart away, everything shuts down. Mm-hmm. Now. Being in a relationship, if your heart is broken or something weighs heavy on your heart, then it sets off reactions to your solar plex for your emotions to be bottled up in the gut. Because you feel with the emotions, and in comparison to that, when it comes to love, people are looking for you to have a warm heart versus a cold heart. So when you are angered or you're hurt or distraught emotionally, the body fills up with heat. And like a balloon, you start to expand. These are bottled emotions, and they sit in your solar plex. So as a healer, a Reiki healer, or whatever work it is you do, when you're tapping into that solar plex, whether you're touching the heart or not and working on it, I found that you're also tapping into the heart at the same time because the emotions connect. They run straight through to each other. And that's what I found when I was working with people. I think the heart Hello? is actually, you know, the heart, yes, yes, we heard all of that. The heart is like the first thing that comes into cellular being before the brain cortex. I think we, at a, at a biological level, the heart comes online first, and they said that the electrical field put out by the heart is is extremely strong and detectable scientifically. Our hearts are like really, really on hundred percent in terms of the amount of energy contributed uh to our reality. Hey, I mean look at look at the color of the heart chakra. Green. And look at and look at the earth. You know, um you know planet, planet Earth as in plant. You know, no. it, it it's all coincide with each other so that love from their heart is what makes everything grow. It what makes the energy resonate for us to connect to be at balance. If your heart isn't balanced and your emotions, your soul affects, nothing's balanced, your atmosphere isn't balanced, people around you 
aren't balanced, you start to attract those people because that's the energy you're wearing on yourself and that's bottled up inside of you. You find yourself facing the type of person that you are at times because you're attracting it to you because that's what's on the inside. And until you release that, until you let go of it and find, to go back to what we were discussing earlier, self-love, uh, respecting self, then you're going to continue to attract that because it's the universe trying to tell you something about yourself. And it's, and, and I'm going to keep on speaking about the heart. It's, it's an expression that was said to me by one of my spiritual teachers, um, and you guys may have heard it before, but for an example, we don't have heart attacks. We attack our heart. It's the things that we do to ourselves because from day one when we come out first mm. in the womb, spirit, then we come out physical, our bodies are already built to offend things off us. It's the 24-7 around the clock is working for us to make sure that everything that's going in us is continually going how it should be. It offends off bacteria and everything. It's not till we start doing things on the outside of what we're supposed to do uh, naturally, as far as putting in ourselves and keeping our enzymes alive, you know, our spirit shows our body for a reason. This is a temple. As soon as your spirit feels as if it's not needed or this is not a fit, by, it leaves. You wouldn't want to go purchase a home that you know is breaking down, falling apart. You would want to be somebody where else. You would leave. That's interesting because Paula talks about, and in my session work with her and other shamans, they're talking about retrieving pieces of the soul that are due to traumatic experiences either in this life or past lives that go into helping you heal the inner child and put back those pieces where it has departed. Uh, Wouldn't you say that's a, a comparable analogy, Paula? Yes, yes, absolutely. Yeah, I'm out of here. My, I just got abused as a child or shamed. I'm, I'm out of here. I'm vacating the premises. And in the place of that vacated spirit, then we start to try to fill it up with other things, not knowing yeah, yeah. by the time we're adults that we actually are operating under a vacated spirit. Um, and we talked last week about how the root of addiction um, and depression plays into energetic imbalance. You know, energetic imbalances are at the core of issues with depression. And then I think we saw a video just this week that talked about a, a scientific experiment where, uh, I forget what country it is, but they stopped treating people who are addicted to drugs as criminals and they have recognized that that addiction is actually showing a a lack of connection and that if you just begin to help people become connected again, to feel part of society, to feel loved, to feel valued, to feel like they are not being judged for their body level failure to be able to manage, say, a substance, or, I mean, addiction looks like lots of things. It looks like chocolate cake. It looks like crack. You know what I'm saying? But so all of that is part of that disconnect. 
connection and vacation of the spirit that we're trying to connect everything back up. We're trying to get everything back online, bring back all the pieces of ourselves that have either fled or we've given away, and to not have any loss and be then restored to our whole, as Prana put it, natural born state that we come in. I mean, this is, I love this conversation because it just layers on. <laughs> Nothing Fine. is being connected. Nothing is in, in, in separation. Everything is connected. Correct, yes. This is true. Prana, thank so you. I knew you were going to be able to add to your contribution. I'm going to put you back on mute for a little bit if you want to come okay. back on the one button. And because uh, I do want to continue to move, but I mean, the heart chakra is so important that, um, you know, I, I don't want to give anything too short of time, but I don't want to get all the way through the other chakras. We've still got three to go. So, uh, Lucy, Paula, in terms of our, again, we talk about you can dress yourself in the clothing of a color or uh, your environment. You can surround yourself with any chakra color in order to help you start to augment your energetic flow. You can go to Reiki healing. I mean, there's all manner of things. Again, you can start to eat differently to show your body that you love it and that you're not trying to attack it, uh, as Prana put it. Um, what else would you have to say about the heart chakra, ladies? Um, one, one thing, uh, and I wanted to bring this up about all the chakras, is that um, you can do color therapy, and you can do color therapy in all kinds of ways, whether you just sort of sit in meditation and ask your higher self to help help you with color therapy. In other words, colors can be remedies for chakras. So um, the remedy for the heart chakra is pink, pink light. Mm-hmm. Um, rose, pink, rose quartz. <laughs> yes, pink brings in... Um, uh, a ray of compassion and um, helps to bring uh, ease any pain and helps just to sort of begin to take the charge out of the heart chakra because this is the chakra where there is so much charge. So um, the colors can also sort of correspond in terms of the higher chakra colors mirroring the lower chakra so like for the for the root chakra you can use purple um for the sacral chakra you can use um that uh indigo uh blue and um you can use even green for the um it varies for the solar plexus but you can use green you can use blue purple, um, whatever you're, um, you feel drawn to that you may be needing um, for the solar plexus. So I just wanted to bring that up about color, using color um, as a remedy. And, we and you, can do this, about... you can do this in meditation. You can do this. Um, there, there are color therapists, uh, you know, helping you, um, guiding you, uh, so there's many different ways to go about doing color therapy. It's funny because as you said that, I thought about, you know, I wasn't in the working world in the 80s. I mean, I'm 
<laughs> I was in high school in the 80s, but I know being a librarian, I've seen books that talk about what's your color, and it was kind of like the Myers-Briggs where they were doing a lot of little corporate feel-good training to help people figure out their personalities based on color schemes, and it went from the whole go-get-your-color palette done by the professional makeup people to set your office in your wardrobe by the makeup people. But I think a lot of it, um, it was kind of on the superficial basis because they weren't talking about this is resonating with your Maybe that we were just not evolved societally enough to have the conversation that we're having today where we're saying, well, this has to do with our chakras and energy. Maybe it was the baby steps of that. But it was like a big deal in the corporate 80s with the whole who, who moved my teas and what color is your parachute. That was the book. Yeah, what color is your parachute. <laughs> you know, I, uh, here we are 30 years later and we're doing something different. <laughs> I, I have a friend that's an interior decorator, and he said many years ago, not to paint your walls in your house, what is a trendy color or what anybody else tells you you should, to paint, paint them the color that you feel comfortable in and that you would wear. And usually that's the color that is going to make you a better soul, better person. But yeah, you're right. I, Years ago, I think it was all just sort of intuitive that everybody was doing or leaning to do the right thing, whether they knew what why they were doing it or not. Mhm, mhm, mhm. So, I also think the power of words. So I'm a I'm a firm believer in the practice of affirmations and affirming words. And I mean, here's a personal example. So today, I went with some friends to. Uh, the ruins in Tulum, Mexico. I'm down here in Playa del Carmen right now. And as we were out enjoying our day, they were taking pictures, and I had this moment where they took a picture of me, and I was like, oh, my gosh, look at my arms. And I found myself shaming myself. And I heard the conversation as I was having it, and I was thinking – at the same time, I'm having two conversations with myself because I'm like, oh, girl, you got to do something about the arm flaps. You know, I mean, how many women have the conversations about different parts of their body with a critical eye, with the idea of maybe feeling shame because they don't look in some kind of way? And I had to stop in that moment because I was like, wait a second. I am not my arms, first of all. And where is this, you know, I know where this conversation is coming from because it's a conversation I've had with myself before. And I know that, you know, it's, my arms aren't who I am. And quite honestly, I'm with a group of people who I'll never see again. So I'm thinking to myself, why are you not loving yourself? This is not uh, loving. If I had a child, I would not turn to the child and say, oh, go sit on the beach because your arms don't look good. You know? So I had to have like a personal uh, self-talk back and forth with myself. And I was giggling because I'm having this dual-minded conversation, one that's very loving, that's standing up for myself and saying, no, you are not going to shame yourself, and the other that was oh so familiar that was telling me, but wait, take away from your enjoyment of this beautiful moment because you think that there's something external that you are going to be judged. <laughs> you know, that's a, that's a real-world, everyday kind of um, how many times we, we treat ourselves without love 
when maybe we could. And we talked about our Susie example, learning how to remove those layers of conditioning. And I'm in my 40s, and I'm obviously still removing layers of conditioning. (laughs) But I I don't know, are we in the (laughs) – anything with the heart left uh, before we move on? Yeah, at least you've recognized you, you've come to that point in your life. You're not the 20 Susie. You're at that point in your life to where you're saying, uh, this conversation is not right. We need to change it around and say something else. I thought you were going to say you looked at this picture of yourself and you saw this beautiful pink light around you. <laughs> <laughs> And if you hadn't been critical, you might have seen it. <laughs> I, I was definitely feeling it, you know what I'm saying? But I, I got guess. out of that energy for just a moment, and I have to be honest that I was out of that energy. And I could have continued down that path, uh, but I laughed at myself <laughs> and then, you know, accepted myself and decided to do the opposite of shaming myself. Or blaming myself for loving too much cake, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And to just be in my truth of the moment, which that I was incredibly blessed, and I was having a great time with other people who were having the time of their life that they had invested a lot of their energy into having, and I had also invested a lot of my own energy into having that moment, and I had the potential to derail myself. And I mean, that's yeah. a big lesson. We always have the potential to derail ourselves from our, like we say, we come into life as our perfect human being that's set up to be able to run perfectly as a magical mystery, how we kind of are able to come into physical being, but then we can really derail ourselves and make our experience in our current reality much less pleasant by those things. And that's what we do to ourselves, but it, we don't do it in a bubble because, again, you said we learn conditioning. And I think that in our present society, we have a lot of conditioning messages that don't even come from our family unit. They come from TV and media and pictures and magazines. They talk about how young teenage girls are growing up in there, and they're already, before they graduate, uh, even get to high school, they're having body issues. Yeah. Because of the messaging that they're receiving. And Paula talked about taking negative people out of your environment once you realize that it's not in agreement with your loving energy. It's hard for a teenager or media-consuming people to kind of realize that there is an aspect of that judging and comparison that comes when we allow those programming messages of Media, which is concerned not with our health, but concerned with its ability to make money from us. We've got two, like, opposed goals here in the two things, but one is greatly influencing, I would say, even more so than our family environment, our external environment of messaging can be just as contributory to our our conflicts and in finding a loving place. Yeah, and sometimes society and the messages you get from whether it's advertising or what you read uh, is going on in the world has a bigger influence on you than your family does because you feel safe within your family and so the outer perimeters are what you feel that you need to change for or to please. Mm Mm-hmm. 
to exist to be acceptable, quote unquote, in mm-hmm. society. Mm-hmm. I think one thing that as we move on up the chakras uh, from the heart, uh, where the next chakra is so important. <clears throat> And here it's funny because I got a little scratch in my throat as I start talking about chakra. (laughs) That the throat chakra deals with speaking our truth. That's what I understand it. Uh, Lucy or uh, Paula, let's talk about the throat chakra and speaking (laughs) speaking out of that uh, place. (laughs) It is our self-expression. This is yep. our self-expression. Um, this is also known as our creative center as well. So um, we are speaking our truth. Um, we are expressing ourselves. And uh, any creative endeavors in our life, um, this is that, that source of that expression. And that the color of this, the throat chakra is the one that I find in people that varies the most. Um, it can range anywhere from a light blue to an aqua to a light green color. Um, I've seen all variances of color in this uh, particular chakra, uh, more variance in, in terms of range of color. Um, and I think that also has to do with the... The throat chakra is about expression, and so it's a unique chakra. Um, one of the things I had said last uh, week about the throat chakra that I wanted to bring up is that this is the most unique chakra that we have in that uh, this is the chakra where we manifest God on the physical plane, and it is through speaking our truth um, and if we are channeling the divine uh, for someone, someone is needing our help, um, and we we speak those words of truth that um, inspire and help others. Um, this this is our direct uh, link or manifestation that we bring in from uh, our God source, which I I find um, to be uh, personally. Um, the most rewarding in in my life. And um, I also feel very blessed when I receive that as well. Um, I think that this is this is the what we have uh, uh, in terms of being on the planet and really being able to have uh, that special impact and be able to change the circumstances in our lives and in other people's lives and community is through speaking our truth and speaking it with integrity and speaking that um, uh, without uh, shame, blame, or anger, but just from those states of love. Um, this uh, This is what I feel that we all can strive for for our you know, for our purpose as human beings. Um, And this is the vehicle for which we can learn to develop unconditional love through speaking our truth, through singing 
chanting, toning, um, our voice can give us uh, that vehicle to help us to, to, to develop unconditional love. You said speaking your truth without shame, blame, and guilt. I think sometimes we think we're speaking our truth, and maybe we've been, I think of the classic passive-aggressive scenario where you've kept something bottled up in that solar plexus as Prana talked about earlier. You kept it bottled up, and then at some point it breaks out, and it doesn't do it in a, a loving way. And it doesn't do it in a way that does not then accuse others or blame others or attempt to shame others out of lack of feeling empowered. Um, and so ideally you would not want to have that happen, but I, I know me personally, I was in a situation of deep emotional connection with my ex-spouse, and it had been a period of time when I was feeling in bullied. I didn't feel like I had an option. I certainly was not expressing myself well. I was keeping a lot of things inside because I was ashamed that my marriage wasn't going well. I was ashamed of some of the things that I had allowed to develop. And it burst out one day and I wound up screaming, which I am not a screamer at all, but I, I remember the day vividly because I just burst out uncharacteristically. I even threw a plate and it hit the wall. I didn't throw it towards them, but I threw it just because the energy had to go somewhere, and my voice was obviously not loud enough to carry the energy I had been bottling up. And then at that point, I was like, wait a second. (laughs) I've got to do something because I am not having the tools to manage what I'm doing. I'm not expressing my truth, but what I'm feeling on the inside is definitely not matching my exterior environment, and I'm certainly not open to unconditional love, and I certainly don't feel like I'm being unconditionally loved, you know. And so I didn't have this skills 15 years ago to have a non-shaming and blaming and guilt-filled conversation at that time, and it was just as damaging to me and the situation that I didn't have those skills. Uh, I learned them and acquired them diligently in the subsequent decade, <laughs> you know, thank God from the 40s. But, but uh, you know, <laughs> that's a good example to me of uh, a blocked throat chakra and not being able to speak my truth well and uh, it harming myself and harming others. And I, it, it could have been better, but I, I think that it was what I needed to learn. There was a lesson I needed to learn what it felt like to not feel that I could speak my truth in order to understand what it felt like to now be in a place where my truth is being expressed regularly. And I wouldn't say that I'm back. I'm all the way there for as much as I like to talk when it comes to deeply emotional or heart, heart where there's a heart cost to it. I still find myself, you know, uh, sometimes shutting down what I should easily, more easily voice. And so I know that I'm still learning and growing as part of that. <laughs> yeah, and your heart chakra and your throat chakra are so close together in physical distance that they're, they're so connected, in your case, 
that feeling of unconditional love wasn't there, and it erupted out through your throat chakra. <laughs> like a volcano, it sounded like. <laughs> Absolutely. A throwing volcano. Okay. It, it sounds oh. like that this was a turning point for you, um, you know, to witness this uh, coming out of yourself and, and seeing, you know, seeing the volcano inside of you erupt and, um, you know, beginning to understand uh, your, the, the patterns of expression um, that you didn't know were there that uh, that are coming out. So it sounds like it, it's been a huge growth, a, a big turning point and a huge growth uh, experience in terms of being able to sort of catalyze you and help you to begin to awaken toward um, how to communicate in ways that create uh, self-respect and respect for others. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. First, first self-respect. Again, the internal starts first. We either don't believe we can do what, for the world what we cannot do for ourselves. That seems to me exactly. the law of the universe, the internal, external as above, so below, and so on and so forth. So a law of energetic return. So I can't respect others more than I respect myself. And if I do, that should be an indicator, you know. I was actually sitting at a table. I was in Atlanta a few weeks ago, and there were several women, and we were sitting around a table, and the conversation turned to, uh, and these are all women over 40, they were talking about the the rise of thyroid issues. And, of course, yes. We were talking yeah. about the thyroidism, hyper-hypothyroidism, and we all know that's in the throat area. And we started talking about how maybe it was tied to the fact that we as women are not always speaking our truth because we're still kind of discarding the model that has us suppress ourselves in favor of others. And so there was this whole theory that, you know, maybe a lot of uh, people who are in their later years developing thyroids have had a pattern of not expressing their truth, and maybe that along with the medicinal things or dietary things, preferably rather than prescription things that people could hopefully do to right that imbalance, maybe adding chakra therapy, learning how to do the chakra toning, like coming to the workshop that you have it. um at a, a synchronicity, Paula, on chakra toning. You know, I, I found it quite interesting how even in your class, there was almost like a, when I first started engaging and you were teaching us how to make the tones, there was kind of like a, I'm looking around the room thinking, here we are, a group of people, we're all strangers and we're getting ready to like sing these tones and let people hear our voices and not think about the fact that somebody's sitting next to us. We're just going to try to stay in our own space and let that throat chakra be open. And even in that, which was a very conducive environment for opening up your throat chakra, even in there, I found myself like looking around, like it's going to be embarrassing. (laughs) Wow. <laughs> you sound like me. Yeah, that I feel like I have one tone. It <laughs> was a new experience for you. For you. Um, I love you know, that kind of environment, though, because when you've got several people toning like that, then you end up with like an overtone that's not coming from anybody. It's just from the 
the group. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the group coming together making a tone. Absolutely. Very enlightening, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. But like you said, the um, chakras are even. I w- Go ahead, Paula. Um, just wanted to sort of make some comments around you're talking about the thyroid and um in my work I would find that uh hypothyroidism or is that borderline hypothyroidism, um, underactive thyroid that um most women tend to have that as they get older because I think that it's known that it parallels the, the menopausal state so as we um, are no longer, uh, you know, when we when we reach menopause, and basically the thyroid simultaneously seems to slow down as well. Um, the liver does too, so uh, it just all seems to kind of happen at the same time. And then I do believe that, you know, women, you know, we're we're coming, you know, it it wasn't till last century that. Um, you know, women could vote. You know, so we're we're really, you know, just recent in recent history, just being able to have a voice, uh, to being able to step out and express ourselves. And the '60s, um, you know, was uh, some extreme cases in that. And now we're all trying to balance out. We're trying to get uh, Hillary Clinton in into office now. <laughs> <laughs> And, well, you know, I would say a lot of the tension that's happening in society right now, you know, I'm African-American, and there is, of course, a strong movement where you have the Black Lives Matter, which to some people feels rather aggressive or feels disconnected. But, again, if you're speaking with a group of people, be it women or people of color, traditionally oppressed individuals, who sometimes it feels like there has to be a radical grabbing of that to speak uh, your truth and to feel heard. And so I think that if we looked at others with unconditional love and said, here's a person who obviously is showing signs or a group of people are obviously showing signs because they're out protesting. The women were marching in the 80s. The blacks were marching in the 60s. They're marching now. All of these things are strong indicators of people who feel their truth needs to be heard, and it has not been heard. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we're experiencing a lot of societal tension in the United States right now where uh, it's all dealing with people's truth coming forward and people realizing how they feel about stuff and starting to express it through social media and connections and conversations in ways like never before. And you know, it gets a it gets aggressive when people feel like that their truth is not being heard. Mm-hmm. That that goes back to you. Well, I was just saying I was laughing when you were talking about menopausal and on women who are older. Actually, some of the most truthful women I know <laughs> are menopausal women. I mean, you ever want to get the truth told to you sitting down with a woman who's having a hot flash? <laughs> I mean, I say that in jest, but actually, as I've gotten older, 
I've released myself of a lot of the things that a younger woman, Susie, in her 20s might have not felt free about, and I feel like I am able to be more truthful in my 40s than ever before, and most of the women who are the decade ahead of me or two decades or three, they talk about how liberated they feel, about how they just don't, they just don't give a damn about the things they used to, and they feel like they're more truthful than ever before. So it's interesting, the hormonal, you know, things that go into our thyroid and, and those biological stages. But uh, overall, I think that the most free thing you'll ever talk to is maybe a 65-year-old woman, you know, <laughs> or an 85-year-old woman. They'll be very free and truthful, and they'll probably be coming from a place that's a lot more loving towards society themselves and others than they might have been when they were 20 because they've learned <laughs> Life lessons over the decades. You know. Yeah, the older you get, you sort of learn what's not necessary and just to let it go, and and to hold on and cherish and embellish what is good in your life. Well, I think we're going to have to move on up past the throat chakra because we're down to the last 40 minutes and we've got uh, two very more important chakras to cover. Anything else we want to talk about, like maybe some uh, uh, speaking your truth or or expressing the God self? Any kind of summary statement? uh, One thing you touched on before about um, having your truth suppressed, is that uh, manifest itself into an underactive or overactive thyroid gland. I I honestly believe that in suppressing things like that, you can manifest them into a physical disease. Absolutely. So that's what they say. Dis- the very Absolutely. word disease they say is uh, disease. It's something inside the body uh, giving you. Oh, uh, a symbol that is physically not in its balance. You know, right. overactive, underacting, overeating, undereating, uh, you know, all those kind of things. Again, if we're talking the chakra is the root of our fundamental operation energetically, everything. Uh, if you said a heart attack, yeah, my arteries are clogged with cholesterol, and my, I had a heart attack, or as Prana said, uh, he heard that we attacked the heart. Well, I did things that showed that I had a dis-ease inside that manifested itself in poor nutrition and poor eating habits or whatever, and therefore, uh, or poor self, you know, I allowed myself to get caught up in the, what society said I should do, and here I am having a bad physical expression of that on the outside. Again, it comes down to that root you know, uh, root of our energy, the core issue. And I think that Prana mentioned that the universe will send us opportunities to learn. So if we're in a dynamic, say, that we're continually keep engaging in relationships that are not filled with unconditional love, that's not just because we're we're cursed. I'm never going to find a good relationship. It's because we're supposed to look at the indicators and dig further, examine them further. Maybe we don't know what we're examining. We're just pulling the little thread that's sticking out. And then we start to realize, you know what, 
this thread is running through a core of my life situations, and I just didn't recognize it until now. But now I'm starting to see I've been doing this for years. And then we find out if we visit a shaman healer or someone who does past life where we find out, I haven't been doing this for years. I've been doing this for, for <laughs> aeons, you know, because my previous life uh, 500 years ago, I had a situation, <laughs> you know. And so that's when you get really interesting when you start to move beyond the present life threads that you pull when you Absolutely. To go a little deeper. <laughs> Absolutely, and and what's fascinating to me, we just want to touch briefly on this, in terms of the those past life themes, is that um, the same psychological issues um, that we played out in those past lives, we tend to play out in this life until we resolve those issues. Right. Um, and uh, that can go on for eons of time. Until we begin to start to recognize, uh, you know, the patterns inside of us, what we're playing out, waking up from those patterns. Um, and uh, in other words, uh, if your emotions are very charged in the present about a particular thing, then it may be coming from more than just your current life. Mm -hmm. Emotional charge is the key. Let me refer everybody to a very excellent book, Many Lives, Many Masters, by Brian Weiss. And the author was a psychiatrist and therapist who was working with his clients, and this book has been out, I think, probably 20, 30 years. Uh, He's wonderful. You could Google him. He's got lots of information out there. But what he found was that he was dealing with his therapy clients in a very, you know, linear, linear modern way. But some people were just not able to move beyond a certain level of healing. And I believe that he started to either look at hypnotherapy or something of that form. I forget what kind of triggered him to discover this. Yes, so his person, like, went to a life, and the issue that was there that they talked about, once they brought it forward, then they were all of a sudden broke free of that and moved forward into a new level of healing and competency and ultimately out of the therapeutic situation. And so what he started doing then was going to his clients uh, over and over again then seeking out these and began to connect the dots for them and finally had to acknowledge that for him as a practitioner, the reality of past life uh, legacy or ancestral experiential uh, shaping of ourselves was the only way that he was uh, able to move his people on through to these states of healing. And so it's not just a few people who are radically uh, out there hippies who are talking about past life regression. I mean, these are actual people who have degrees in things that society says makes them experts. I mean, we all know that you could become an expert in anything without necessarily having a degree, uh, what we call mainstreaming. But it's not so unusual, and it's not that far out to talk about it, and we're in a time and a place when we're increasingly recognizing that there is an extra-dimensional 
reality that has existed and is existing, and our goal is to acknowledge it and integrate the knowledge of even chakra as an energetic principle to past life and ancestral energy as a principle, you know. Um, and I love that about this day and age because it's all starting to get thrown into the pot together and we're realizing that we, we, we can't just live in a flat 3D kind of, we can, and we do live in a flat 3D, but we have a much richer, fuller life if we start to say, you know what, I am not just, Susie the worker bee who goes to work every day and comes home nine to five. I'm actually Susie who's like looking at how I feel and what my energy of the day is. And I'm looking at how I'm behaving in the world and how the world is then reflecting back to me, my energy. And then that changes. It opens up the eyes to experience life in a much richer and more vibrant way. And um, that leads, go ahead. I want to make a comment about some of the stuff you're talking about right now. Um, I've been working with uh, car accident clients for about 10 years now. And what I have found with every single one of them is that um, the work that I would do, uh, uh, I, I honestly, I, I, their bodies would not allow me just to keep to, to do, um, stay in a, they're, these people were very linear in their way, and um, uh, they um, most of them didn't know that I was a psychic. But I found that I had to I had to come out in a sense because what I found was that the issues, uh, the injuries that they came in with, where the car accident affected them, this is where they had had all these past lives, and then I found that I had to. Um, I would see a movie, and I would find that I would have to tell them what that movie was. And then when I discussed it and brought it out, then that energy, the charge, left their body, and they started getting better. And then they stopped needing me. <laughs> so um, <laughs> That happens. <laughs> well, that was really fabulous, you know, to be... Uh, and it really added a lot to the to the work because um you know I was dealing with people who are you know they're 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 filing their insurance and this and that you know they're very much in the medical community and um you know they went with it it's like none of them uh actually you know they even though I could you know they weren't people that seemed to be in the past lives at all they all um Seem, seem to receive what happened to them, and they seem to be able to relax deeper into the work. So um, I found this really fascinating about car accidents in particular, um, that uh, so many of them, I believe their bodies, they went through this to try to actually, uh, it's the body's way, the soul's way, to try to release trauma is to have accidents. This is what I have oh. found, that this is what we do. We have these unconscious accidents so that we can release trauma. And if, the, you know, we're lucky enough, we get to the um, to, to the Lucy's and the Paula's, and then they can get better. 
Well, let me tell you, I just had a conversation with my soul, and I said, we don't need to have a car accident, okay? We can do this some other way. Although I have been in other car accidents earlier in my life, I might have to go back and review those scenarios. But going forward, we don't need any, <laughs> we don't need any car accidents, okay? I right. don't want to right. hear that. <laughs> and and. You know, to be proactive in our lives, you know, we if we're living consciously, if we're doing those things that take care of ourselves and our bodies, then we, you know, we there's no uh, we run we run less of a risk of creating accidents if we are. Um, being conscious with our thoughts, being conscious with our bodies, um, living consciously and, and doing uh, practices where we spend amount of certain amounts of time in our days and our weeks uh, with quiet reflection, um, you know, doing physical exercise and all this, then um, then we're a, and, and you know connecting with God, then we're um, we're living in alignment. And, and as long as we're living in alignment, then we're we are not accident prone because we are being proactive about being a human being. Okay, <laughs> you are listening. We're on. This is the Vibrating Radio Show. We're talking chakras. We're talking about energy. We're talking about interconnectedness. We're talking about how uh, nothing is separate from anything else. So I'm on tonight with Lucy and Paula. If you would like to call in, we're down to our last half hour. Uh, The number is 646-668-8988. And this is Chakra Talk for Part 2. We've covered uh, up through the heart and the throat. Chakra is speaking a truth. And we're pushing all the energy all the way back up to the third eye and hopefully out the crown before we leave here this evening. So <laughs> so if we're, we're speaking our truth, we're listening to the signs around us externally and internally that are presented, and we started to do some work on stuff so that we're uh, resolving these issues that present themselves through the issues that the universe uh, provides. So we, our third eye, and now the third eye is one of those things you hear about in music, you hear about it, you see symbols everywhere. Everybody thinks, seems to think they know about the third eye. So let's talk about uh, the third eye chakra. The third eye is indigo uh, in most people, but it can vary in color. Um, this is our intuitive center. Um, this is how we intuitively see the world or the universe, um, our, our psychic abilities or lack of, our insights into the world. We had a question in the chat room, actually, uh, from uh, one of the users who asked, are gifts of healing and channeling something learned or gifts you were born with? So that falls kind of in the third eye. I think that's a, a third eye kind of energy question, wouldn't you say? Absolutely. And I think we're all born with it, but it's part of society that suppresses it. 
And so some people feel like they need to relearn it in order to have it open. I agree I we're completely. All born with it, though. I, I agree completely. I, I believe that we are all born uh, with with. I believe that being human is actually to be intuitive, and uh, when we are not, then we are not completely living in in alignment with our higher self. Um, <clears throat> and uh, I do uh, agree also that we uh, can relearn. Uh, and develop the intuitive center um, that this can definitely be strengthened and it's just a matter of being able to put yourself in that situation um, to to basically uh, you know step out and be intuitive with your friends help people um, trust your guidance um, let it be of service to you and and the people around you, and um, you know there are there are uh, tools to use to develop those psychic abilities. Whether you're um, wanting to use um, even a pendulum, tarot deck, um, meditation, absolutely meditation, and um, scrying is another tool that it's that's more of an ancient tool is where you stare into water and usually uh it's good to be outside in a, a lake or pond but um you can use like a black bowl and put water in it basically it needs to be a dark darker surface to be able to scry in and basically what you're doing is you're staring um you can use a candle for that same method you can use a a crystal ball. Um, in other words, you're keeping the eyes open um, and allowing for your thought processes, your insights to begin to come to come to you. And developing your intuition is takes time. Um, and uh, I also recommend uh, going to see a psychic because psychic can definitely help catalyze you and as you are seen so you begin to see and you begin to to um awaken that um your psychic center and and begin to feel like you have that confidence to step out and use your your psychic abilities to help yourself and others and it's it's learning to trust your intuition when it comes not to second guess it too well, I was thinking as you were talking about, I, I was doing a developmental class on, you know, developing my psychic abilities. And one of the examples that they have in use of exercises is if you close your eyes and somebody says to you, think of a grandfather clock and then hold that image in your mind with your eyes closed. That area where you create the picture in your mental space is the third eye, and you are using that that psychic eye in the imagination process. And that uh, we we tend to discount it because we think, oh, it's just the it's just imagination, or this is what I'm supposed to do with my brain if I want to envision something or whatever. 
But, you know, we started having these conversations about vision boards and how you can put energy into your envisioning. It's the same thing with uh, the, the third eye. If you put yourself, A, into that quiet, meditative state, I feel like that is super, super important because most of us stay busy in our mental brain processing, doing our tasks of the day, doing this, 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 that, and the other until it's time to go to sleep. And we don't ever sit down and clear the energy and space and allow that envisioning to even be heard. It's operating, but we're maybe it's on mute or it's on low. It's operating all the time, but we're not paying attention to it because we haven't given it space or we're not exercising it, so uh, it's not as strong. But if you start to... Most of us, if somebody tells us a story over the phone or something, we can envision the story that's happening as it goes along with their words. And I know, Paula, I've talked with you, and and in our healing sessions, you receive a vision from the energy of my third eye that you then tell as the story to me. And that's not, you know, some people say, oh, it sounds like a fairy tale. You know, you were a mermaid in a past life. Well, it's the vision that you received. And then when you shared what you received from me, my body indicated the truth of it. Yeah. Because I felt, I felt and responded to it. And even though my brain might have said, I mean, my brain didn't because I'm open to it, but the, some person might be like, this can't be. This just can't be. But my brain at least was open. My my uh, structure was at least open enough to receive it as a possibility. So when you shared it, there was something in my solar plexus that responded and yes. said, she hit the nail on the head, honey. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> and there was a shift in my energetic being. And as you talked about, say, the wounds that I received during that embodiment, that I did feel in my physical self a corresponding uh, healing change in my energy flow that moved forward after that. So that was a very, you know, uh, example from my personal space. But most people be like, well, you just had a fairy. It sounds like a fairy tale. But that's that imaginative part of our consciousness, you know, and uh, – I've got a caller who's asked to come back on the line. I, I believe, oh, yes, I believe it's just Prana. Are you back with us? Hey, hey, hey. Yes, I am. Can you hear me? It's, yeah. yeah. So your third eye, you've got something. Oh, yeah. Um, just one input a little bit. Um, yeah. Uh, who was that, Paula? Or who yeah. was just talking about it there? Yes, yeah, she was mentioning um, to looking into. You were mentioning looking into a, a dark object like uh, with, with right. water in it, things of that nature. Yeah, I also want to add, drinking plenty of water can also activate the pineal, mm-hmm. uh, the third eye, which is physically the pineal gland on the side of the tissue level. Drinking a lot of water can activate it, and uh, because it 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 does need to be fed, and also now most people won't do this, but if you can bear to um, looking into the sun as long as you can, we'll also feed it and activate it. Sun gazing, they say. That's one of those things. I'm not sure how you do that safely. Like, how, you know, how, how does that? 
I've just heard like that. just like she was saying, uh, things like that come over time. Because I, I was a big fan of how you do this, and then I began to do it, and all of a sudden, boom! I got rainbow colors everywhere, you know. And that's how it worked for me. But um, most definitely, one of the more simpler ways is drinking a lot of water as well, and that activates the uh, third eye, which is the pineal gland. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. And like, yeah. And then exercising it, right? Flexing it. And then you you flex the muscle, then it, it becomes more capable. And a lot of us have been using it without purpose. So if we begin to purposely be in a place where we're open to and, and using our third eye, we're using our intuition, we're envisioning those things, well, then it will get stronger and stronger to where it actually, I think, it becomes integrated at a point where it becomes yeah. part of just your your whole framework of how you receive. You're constantly going to then receive and filter your reality through that, especially if you're all the way open up through your crown you're receiving your divine guidance and it's flowing on down through your intuition before you ever speak your truth and come into your emotions and, and so on and so forth. That would right, be, right. You would never want to discount that and short, and leave it out of the equation as you receive the divine guidance down from, from spirit. It's, um, it's kind of like our up. navigation system. I wanted to bring up, you know, there's there are uh, different aspects of the psychic abilities. Um, one of them being clairsentient, which is touching. And uh, me as a body worker and teaching body work um, and helping people to uh, begin to try to, to, to open up to that psychic center, um, using touch is, is an amazing way to open up uh, psychically. And I find that, you know, the the gifts work. Psychic abilities seem to work when we use it to help others more than helping ourselves. Um, You will find that most psychics will tell you uh, that they prefer to have someone read for them. They cannot read for themselves. This is most of the psychic population and I think that has to do with the nature of the gift itself I do believe the gift is best used when we help other people um, kind of going off on a tangent here because I brought up clairsentience which is touch and an, another tool to use is psychometry um, psychometry is different than palm reading palm reading you're reading the lines in someone's hand but psychometry is when you just basically you touch the center of someone's palm which uh, there's a chakra there and you're able to basically uh, get the download of you know um, the person and uh, whatever is needed to be communicated with them at that time um, and that is a fun thing to do in terms of teaching uh, uh, some psychic development is getting people doing psychometry with each other because um, it's one of the easiest ways to actually be able to tap into um, psychic abilities. And uh, I just encourage any listeners, um, try it out. Uh, touch, some, touch someone's palm 
and you'll be amazed at the information that you're going to get from that person. <laughs> hmm. it, and that's very interesting because uh, most people would say, well, you know, I can't do that. I don't know how to do that. That's not my gift. But we really, our bodies are instruments. And we're receiving energetic messages all the time, as we talked about last week. We all know how to read somebody when they walk into the room. We just may never have thought, well, you know what, I could read somebody if I touch their palm. I could get an impression from them, from that. And, um, you know, it's kind of interesting because sometimes I feel like myself, as I'm, I'm practicing the gifts that we're all born with, is that, so I, I get. Uh, I want to make sure that I'm not telling my version of the person's story, and that I'm not operating out of, say, like a, my personal judgment or in in not hearing my egoic mind based on my experiences. But I've kind of removed all that and coming from a different place of neutrality to receive the story image that is coming through for me. And that's why I think that where the people who are practicing psychics or professional psychics uh, are doing things a little differently because they are, you're working consciously to, re- to not be in that space of personality, your own personality engaging. And you probably learn personal behaviors and practices that allow you to step into that neutral uh, place to be that healer on purpose for people rather than just bumbling around taking your own conditions and, and ideas and frameworks around and, and working with other people's energy. Is that fair to say? Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, when you were talking about affirmations earlier, when you when you start to work on someone energetically, at least I do, one of the first things I ask for is that for my own personal energy to be removed, my own ego to be removed, so that whatever comes through me comes purely from the divine and into the person that needs what I am being a conduit for. Right. And, you know, I tried in the past, and, I, and I'm sure I could through readings, um, something that you said. I'm always sort of afraid that I'm going to give misinformation, that it's going to come more from something in me than what I am picking up from somebody else. I've never been comfortable with it. But I'm sure that's my problem. (laughs) Even even as you were teaching me in our Reiki classes, I was scanning, um, you know, and going through the process. I would share with you the things that I would and I was, you know, kind of unconfident, not confident. I was like, I'm feeling like maybe there's a intestinal blockage or issue as solar. Play. And you were like, yeah, you know. So it was like the vision, like trusting that, yeah, right. I was, I was, you know, trusting and going with your first instincts and stuff. I, w- I was going to ask Paula this. You were talking about um, being able to read someone through touch. I'm still learning to translate some of the stuff that I get when I lay hands on people. And I mm-hmm. often get different smells. Is that a... Is that a yes, that um, that is also 
a psychic uh, ability. It's one I, I definitely don't have, but I notice that there are some psychics who um, definitely pick up on smell and um, that registry in your brain um, lets you know uh, something that you know that you're needing to communicate something uh, and what it is uh, associated with, whether the smell is um, pungent or sweet or whatever that it, and it may even uh, I don't know if if it does this for you, but I know some people it may may even register sort of like going into the clairvoyant movie of what you know like getting an image of something. Or it just uh, yeah, may be an intuitive hit, in other words. Uh, yeah, I think, uh, we, I, think, I think I think mine has mostly been physical things I've picked up on, like infections, uh, not in that, in emotional trauma, past uh, trauma from people's young life when they were children and stuff. Uh-huh. I picked up as a distinct smell. But like I said, uh-huh. I'm still sort uh-huh. of learning to tra- uh, how to translate all this. So I speak to my client about what I think it is and then get feedback, and that's how I've sort of figured it out. And that's a good way to go, you know, particularly when you're dealing with trauma, um, is to, you know, just sort of feel them, you know, feel them out and ask questions. Um, Just, you know, just for the nature of, you know, what you're bringing up. Um, This is a good way to go. Yeah. That gift is called Claire Gustin, G-U-S-T-E-N-C-E, Claire Gustin, Claire Gustin. I don't know, I'm maybe pronouncing it wrong, but uh, even you can get the whiffs of perfume of uh, people who used to wear. You can uh, smell, like maybe some people say they smell a bitter smell, like a chemically smell when there's a disease or a sickly sweet smell when there's something rotten. I mean, so definitely uh, our five senses that we speak about, our five primary uh, dimensional senses, seeing, hearing, smelling. Some people, uh, I was over at one of the stairs, and one of the readers came over to a friend of mine, and we were standing by each other and talking, and she said, I'm tasting margaritas. Who here loves margaritas? <laughs> and, and my friend just kind of laughed because I think we got out for margaritas the night before or something. And she said, well, I do. And then the, the uh, person started to engage, and it turns out that her her mother had a message for her. And so her mother knew that she liked margaritas and gave that uh, sensation. I don't think I would necessarily want to be a psychic who tastes things. <laughs> <laughs> Hello. Because I might taste something I don't like. Hello? What, if, you know, what if I don't like margaritas? <laughs> is Prada? Are you uh, Hello? on? Yeah, Prada. Go uh, ahead. Yes, yes. I was uh um letting you all talk to finish saying what you were saying because you, you are absolutely right now. Uh, now, interested enough, I want to thank you <laughs> for bringing up what that was called because I never even bothered to look into it. Um, but I'm one of the people who also uses that, and you're absolutely right um, as far as what you said, as far as when you get the smells. Um, now, you just said one of the key factors that I was waiting to come up. Uh, for the most part, when the smells come in, for me, it's a presence of an ancestor of the person that I'm dealing with. Okay. And 
just like um, you just mentioned, Joel, that uh, that person's well, who did you say it was Auntie? Oh, her was, mom was there. Her mom, yeah, knew that she liked to uh, drink margaritas. That's usually the situation with me. Um, an ancestor, family member, or whatnot has visited and has a message to send. So um, that was one of the first things I picked up in my in, in doing this psychic thing for myself, and I didn't understand. I would be at a session, or I could be at my home, and all these different smells would come throughout the week. I'm like, I didn't spray anything strawberry. I didn't do anything lemon. What's going on? What? And so as the messages would come, I still wouldn't get it because I'm like, hold on, I'm trying to find the smell out. And on the other side, I'm like, okay, why is this message coming? And I wasn't putting them together. And when I would speak on it with a client, then I'm like, wait a minute. They would actually help me because they would be like, hey, my grandfather used to, and the message that they speak to me out of their mouth, I was like, wow, that's the message I'm getting to give you. But I wasn't putting it mm-hmm. together. Mm-hmm. And then the other side, like you said, um, it can coincide with certain illnesses and things of that nature. So that is absolutely true. Uh, what you all were speaking on. You know, we're at our actual last three minutes, which I'm so amazed because this has been a two-hour broadcast tonight, and it has gone by, like, so fast. And uh, we have not made it to our seventh chakra, which is the crown chakra, which is, of course, uh, our connection to creator source. And I think that... uh, what we're going to do next week on the Vibrarian radio show is we've got a, a show of, about people who have chosen to live differently, to live outside of the United States or the country where they were born, um, uh, people who are expats, nomads, and couch surfers. So I've lined up a panel of people who are going to talk about what it's like to live somewhere else, like uh, Ecuador, Mexico, uh, France, Australia, vice versa, what it looks like financially, what it looks like logistically to raise your family. And I've got people who are retirees. I've got people who are, like, mid-career like myself, and I've got a couple youngsters who are who are much more flexible in the way that they're choosing to live. I want to go ahead and bring that show out, but I believe that we set a nice foundation to have a conversation about what is intuition and healing and channeling and how can we access those innate gifts that we're all born with that are what one might call extra dimensional from our 3D kind of framework that uses the brain as the processing center. And so I'm definitely inviting all the panel back for that future show because we've got people in the chat room who want to know about channeling and being psychic. We've got questions on Facebook. I'm getting text messages. So it's definitely very of interest to everybody. So in our last minute and a half, I want to give each of you an opportunity to tell how people can contact you if if they want to do readings and do some past life work and learn more on a personal one-to-one level about how to use these gifts and abilities and maybe heal some things that have come up as they've listened to us have this conversation. So we've got about a minute. Uh, Paula, you first. How can this, is Paul, this is Paula Gore. Um, you can reach me at 404 594 
0062. Also, my email is ariellittlewolf at q.com, and that's A-R-I-E-L-L-I-T-T-L-E-W-O-L-F at q, that's the letter q, dot com. Thank you. Okay, and then, Prana, if you go ahead, we're at 45 seconds. All right, uh, the prana, prana is the name, P-R-A-N-A. Uh, you can reach me at 678-818-3980. Once again, that's 678-818-3980. Okay, and Paula, I mean uh, Lucy. Uh, yes, uh, my email, L-U-C-L-E-E-01 at AOL.com. And you can find me on Facebook, and I am Lucy Lee, and I'm in Roswell, Georgia. Oddly enough, I think there's more than one Lucy Lee out there. So I look forward to hearing from any of you. I am so thankful that each of you joined me for this couple hours this evening. My name is Miss J, and I am the vibrarian. And I believe we are off the air. We'll have this last segment for our YouTube channel. Uh, you can reach out to me at Joelle, J-O-E-L-L-E, at The Vibrarian, T-H-E-V-I-B-E-R-A-R-I-A-N. Thank you so much, and have a great night. Thanks, everybody. Mm-hmm. Peace and love.